Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the coaching staff. I am back from my hometown of Sheldon, Iowa, and I am back on the phone with Mr. Tony D. Viss. How are you tonight, Mr. Viss? Doing well, Marty. Uh, we took the week off last week uh, with, with 4th of July, so yeah, kind of got the batteries charged back up and, and ready to roll. We're ready to get after here. Yeah, that's good. We had our dead week last week, yes, um, and so we're recording this on Sunday night, so we we start again Monday morning. We've got a three-week sprint here. We're done with uh, a lot of our team camp stuff. We'll still have some skill sessions, and obviously we'll have strength and conditioning, and my players that are playing AAU, they'll be playing AAU throughout the month, but uh, you know we're kind of done with our team stuff, playing against other teams. What about you, Tony? Do you guys have anything else lined up? We've got a couple of weeks here left. Um, I've got some sophomore scrimmages lined up uh, a few years ago, actually probably about a decade ago, got a list of things, late game situations. Mm-hmm. So we're going to bring a couple uh, area schools in. We're going to have what we call situational scrimmages um, and then work out together. We'll do that on Wednesday of this week and look to do it one more time next week. But yeah, those are, we're getting out of the nitty gritty here with just eight times left for the rest of the summer. Yep. Yep. It's closing quick. So episode number 47 and Tony and I thought we, especially going into July here, we talk a little bit about recruiting and, and some different angles about recruiting. Uh, what college coaches are going to ask you about? Uh, what is your role as a high school coach? Uh, what you should be doing to help your players getting, uh, to help them be recruited are, are some of the topics that Tony and I uh kind of threw around here and so we'll we'll kind of see where this takes us here tony but before we get into the meat and potatoes of this i've got i've got three i've got two defensive backs three pitchers and a small forward here for you i got six number 47s here wow i would have guessed potentially one or two no huh 47 all right let's do defensive backs okay all right uh, one is from the seventies. The other one is from the nineties. Jack Tatum. Nope. Hmm. A rival of Jack Tatum's in the seventies. What's that? A, a rival of a rival team of Jack Tatum's in the seventies. Oh. Mel Blunt. Mel Blunt is correct. Wow, that's good. Wow, that's impressive. Was Merton Hanks a good one for the 90s or no? Uh, Merton Hanks was number 36. When he would Ooh, have been in there. That, would be, that would not be a good one then. No. Uh, this guy, uh, actually, late 90s, early 2000s was kind of his biggest heyday. Uh, played for Tampa Bay. John Lynch. John Lynch. There you go. 49ers GM. Yep, yep. I, I thought about throwing that out there as a hint, but I thought it would be too pretty, too obvious. So... Uh, three starting pitchers, two right-handers, and a left-hander. Oh, boy. One whose heyday was in the 80s and early 90s. Uh, another one, the left-hander heyday in the 90s, really heyday in the 90s, and early... Steve 2000s. Colton? Nope. Hmm. And 
the other one, 60s and 70s. Huh. I'm going to need some help on these. Otherwise, okay. I'm drawing blanks. Uh, Left-handed starting pitcher, 90s, early 2000s. Outside corner, outside corner, outside corner. Tom Glavin? There you go. There you go. Um, one of the clutch World Series starts in Major League history. Jack Morris? Game 7, 10 innings. Jack Morris, shutout ball. Uh, let's see here. I don't know much about this guy. I mean, I've heard of him. I think he pitched for the Twins um, in the 60s and the 70s. Uh, let me get out the Wikipedia machine here, see what I can find. Um, I think he was an announcer as well. Yes, he was an analyst. Uh, mm, I was going to say Burt Blylevin, but that's too... Oh. Too early for him, or too late for him. I'm sorry. Um, pitched for 25 years. Holy cow! Three-time All-Star, won the Gold Glove 16 times. Holy mackerel! Did, did not have 300 wins. Um, he was enshrined in the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2022. Wow. I don't think I'm going to get this one. Jim Cott. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've heard of him. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then our basketball player. Uh, the number 47 went well with his name. Hmm. Played for the Utah Jazz or Yaz with the soft J. Man, because there's not. No. I think it'd be Hornacek. No. Um, Want me to give it to you? Sure. Andre Karolinko, also known as AK 47. Yes, yes. So, tough week. Tough week. I was impressed with the Mel Blanc one, though. You did good on that one, bud. DBs are my special. You're back, you're back there. I can see you down there in a stance, just reading that quarterback's eyes at the free safety spot. Uh, yeah, you and Rodney Harrison. So Yeah, Rodney Lott, Rodney Harrison. Tony Biss, they all kind of yeah. flow together. The great safeties of all time. <laughs> uh, six minutes and 50 seconds. <laughs> All right. Uh, episode number 47. What college coaches are looking for, what your role is, what you can do to help your players get recruited. Uh, which one of those three topics do we want to start with, Tony? Um, let's go what they're looking for, because okay. I think that's one a lot of times that's kind of misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, let's let's start there. Yeah, I got about seven things listed for that. Okay. Um, and, uh you, you know, you want me to go first? Yeah, let's okay. let you start. Okay. We'll, just, right. we'll go from there. All right. Uh, I think the biggest thing <clears throat> that college coaches are looking for is, does your player have a motor? Do they play hard all the time? Uh, if they don't play hard all the time, and, and this comes from a guy, and it's been a long time since I coached college ball, but I, I coached college ball for six years, and uh, it's hard. 
it's it's hard you have to be if you think you're playing hard at the high school level the college game is way faster way harder way more physical way tougher and you have to uh you have to have a motor and i'm always if, if a if a coach doesn't ask me about one of my players motors then i'm a little bit concerned about the coach you know yeah um i i want them to yeah i mean you gotta you gotta you gotta have a motor if you're gonna play at the college level so that's that's one of the things i had what'd you have bud yeah, I think playing hard is a skill, and sometimes people don't get that. Um, and it, like you said, if you don't play hard, you probably, unless you're like just super athletically talented, um, you're probably not going to get on the floor, and you're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I, I think that goes along with that, you know, a couple other things are in that that same area code. Number one, do you love the game? Yeah, because you know, in, in high school. You know, depending upon your program, you can probably get along with liking it, mm-hmm. but collegiately with as much as you do it and you're around it and the, the, I guess the pressure I would say to improve, you have to love it. And yeah. if you don't love it, um, college ball is probably not for you. Yeah. Um, and I won't say that, you know, 100% all the time, but I think that's a, that's a high majority statement there. And then the other thing that goes along with that love and motor, um, is your work ethic Mm -hmm. because if you love it and you have a motor you're going to work at it Mm -hmm. and it's one of those things where you know sometimes athletes peak early you know um and you're going to get exposed at some point if you don't have good skills and good fundamentals Mm -hmm. and so that's something that if you don't want to work at it um you're never going to reach your potential and the thing that's going to happen is those kids that you might have been better than simply because of maturity they're going to pass you up yep i i always tell my kids i don't you know and i don't mean to scare them away by this statement but i'm also i have to be honest with them it's a job it's it's your college job your college job is to be a student athlete and so you are expected to put in 20 to 30 hours a week in some way shape or form especially when you're in season to your job and and so you that's the expectation that your coaches have for you we're giving you you know it's it is it is the definition of a social contract i'm giving you this money to help you get an education i expect this type of this that and the other thing uh for you to come in and to to get better and to to do what you have been asked to do and to show up on time and so forth and so on so i i think that's the way i've always kind of explained it to my kids as well so um another question i get and then I'm always, you know, I always wonder if they're going to ask, how good of a teammate are they? You know, uh, are they, are, are you a great teammate? Are you good in the locker room? Uh, you know, do your teammates respect you? Are, a, are you a captain? And is it a legit cat, uh, captaincy? Uh, have you earned being a captain? Uh, those type of questions I think are, are really important that you should be hoping a college coach asks you about your kids. Uh, that's another one I had, Tony. Yeah, the, the teammate thing is, is huge because, you know, you're talking about time and a lot of that time that you're putting in, you're around other people, whether you've got a lifting partner, whether you are in a small group that works on skill development with a coach or whatever the case may be. And if it's always about you, 
mm-hmm. um, you know, and how you perform and what's happening to you and stuff like that, it's going to get old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I think those, those questions, you know, are you a captain? Are you a leader? Um, are you someone that gets along with others? And one of the skills I think that's so vastly underrated, do you make people better around you? Oh, and if you don't, that's another one that's that's going to be a struggle um, as far as things go. But, yeah, I think that's good. And then the other thing that I would also ask besides the teammate thing, and, again, kind of a related issue here, how do they handle struggle? Mm. Because it's going to get hard. There are going to be moments where, for whatever reason, the ball's not going to go in the hole for you and Murphy's Law is going to happen. How do you handle that? And if you're somebody who tucks tail and throws a pity party – um, that's going to be hard. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're somebody who, you know, hey, they show a lot of grit, they show a lot of mental toughness, they're going to get their way through it. You know, tough times don't last, tough people do. And I think how people handle uh, failure is, in my opinion, maybe more important than how they handle success. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you. And you're going to have failure at the college level. There's, there's, You're going to have setbacks and coaches want to know how mentally tough you are uh it's it's you know it's just like with us at the high school level it's it's sometimes harder to find the the mental toughness than it is the physical toughness and skill and Mm -hmm. and that's what they're looking for the same things that we are there so uh you need to know your kids gpa their acts their academic interests uh you don't want to waste time and and this uh, you know coach spends 20 minutes talking to you 20 25 minutes and they say, hey, uh, what does what does Billy or, or Mary want to major in? And you're like, oh, I, I don't really know. Uh, but let me get back to you. And then you're like, oh, yeah, they want to do engineering. Well, we don't offer engineering. Oh, well, they're locked into being an engineer. Well, you've just wasted their time uh, there. So I think it's important to know that if your kid is in a good academic situation, approximately what their GPA is. I, I think those are things that, again, most of our kids – are going to get at best, you know, you, you might have a few kids that are going to get like a full ride at a, at a D2 if you're really, really lucky. But most of the players that, that are going to be recruited for us are going to be JUCO kids. They're going to be NAIA players. They're going to be Division three players. They're going to be partial in uh, Division two kids. And so what these college coaches have to do at these smaller card colleges where most of our kids end up going when they play is they have to cobble together this scholarship with their academic GPA and hopefully they get this leadership scholarship or the uh, the, the Chad Angel scholarship or whatever it may be. And I tried, I almost got that out with a straight face. Uh, but but they're cobbling these things together to try to give the, the, the family the best uh, ride uh, and package that they can. So... I think those things are important. Yeah, and you know, your your GPA opens so many more doors for you. Your GPA and your ACT open if you have those areas where they they you know need to be. Your options are so much so much more than if you are struggling and you've got a 2.0 or under GPA. Then you've really limited yourself in terms of what you can do. But at the same time, you just want your kids to do the best they can, whatever that happens to be. That was kind of the, the thing that we would have with our kids is that talk on just do the best you can. It doesn't have to be straight age, but mm-hmm. do the best that you can. Yeah. 
Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs. And now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available for you, to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. Um, and then another one I think that's becoming more and more prevalent today, unfortunately, is you're probably going to get the question, what are their parents like? Yep, that, um, that was on my you list. Know, yep. And that's one that, that, that can be a tough one. You know, you, you see a decent amount of the time on Twitter, you know, college coaches, especially this month, obviously it would be an open recruiting month, go to watch a kid. Parents maybe don't know it's a college coach sitting next to them. And then the next thing, the college coach crosses the kid off the list and goes somewhere else because of what's being said in the crowd by the parents. Yep. I had a kid a, a while ago who wanted to play and numerous schools were turned off by mom and dad and it narrowed, narrowed her opportunities. Uh, and that's, that's just the truth of the matter. They don't want parent headaches just like you and I don't want parent headaches, Tony. And you know that just as well as I do. I'm preaching to the choir uh, there. And so uh, I, I think that's going to be a question. Again, if you're, if you're dealing with a, a good coaching staff, what are mom and dad like? Absolutely. I think that's a fair question. Uh, number one skill that you think college coaches are looking for, Tony? You know, I would say this. I think it is can they defend? You know, really? a lot of times – when you take a look at kids' attitudes, mm -hmm. if I can score the ball, I can get on the floor. And I think that's that's a little bit backwards in terms of not can I score the ball, but can I guard? Because one of the things that we talk a lot about with our kids when they go in, you know, you don't have to be a great scorer, but you can't hurt us. Mm -hmm. And a big part of not hurting us is being able to guard the ball and being in the right position defensively, especially when you're the help defender. Mm -hmm. I had down shooting, actually. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, from what I have heard from from coaches, and I, I think if they've got a motor and they can shoot, I think if they've got a motor, they'll say, okay, we'll teach them to defend the way that we want them to defend. But I think shooting is that prized commodity more and more with the quote-unquote modern game that a lot of coaches are, are looking for. Uh, now, they're going to have more time if they can't shoot, but they do have a good motor and they're really athletic those coaches have the time to break down the player's shot and develop the shot better and with more opportunities of what you and I have to help our players develop their shooting. So um, that that was uh, that was kind of what one that I had. Um, I could see sh shooting be a, being a separator. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, two more that I had, Tony. Uh, Multi-sport athlete. And most college coaches, especially at the lower levels, they expect their kids to be multi-sport athletes. And they actually embrace that because if you are a three-sport athlete and then you come to their school and now you're just specializing, in our case, in basketball, 
now they really feel like you've got a real chance to take off because you basically, you know, you're spending a, only a third of your time in theory playing basketball or maybe half of your time, but then you're playing some volleyball or you're playing some baseball if you're a guy or whatever it may be. And, and most, you know, don't let, uh, don't let the, 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 the vibe fool you or, or what is said. Most college coaches want to see kids who are multi-sport athletes. Um, is that your view, Tony? hundred percent. You know, you, in the state that you live in, volleyball obviously is fairly popular at the University of Nebraska. And John Cook was going out and talking about how it's so important to him to recruit multi-sport athletes. And I really appreciated him taking that stance. And I know on the guy's side of thing, a number of football coaches have come out and done the same exact thing, where if you are athletic they can they can really help you now as you like you said you focus on the sport you may take off the other thing that i think is so underappreciated is competing all the time you know would Ooh, if you would yeah. be a multi-sport kid you know playing in those uh postseason tournaments the state tournament whatever the case may be in a different sport if you are competitive that's something else that goes along with being a multi-sport athlete that i think separates them from that specialist mm -hmm. Uh, what else you got, buddy? I've I've hit my list. I've okay. run out of my list. Yeah, the the, the the one thing, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, uh, major and career goals. Um, I, I you know, but we talked about that a little bit with GPA, ACT, that type of stuff. So, uh, what should be the role of the high school coach in your players' recruitment? You know, I think some of that depends on a variety of things. Obviously, number one, you know. Uh, in terms of are they an AU kid that's going out during these open periods and getting a lot of exposure, that, that plays a role in it. And, and, and their AU coach obviously is going to play a role there as well. But I would hope that a lot of college coaches are going back if, if the in making the high school coach one of the primary ones. You know, I had athletes that wanted to play that maybe didn't play a lot of AAU. So I became the one that would reach out to college coaches because obviously, you know, we've worked a few camps in our days and have some have some connections there mm -hmm. and would just reach out to these coaches, hey, you might want to come watch this kid. I think I think they could help you. And with you know, if you have a good relationship, you're honest with them they'll come out and watch and they'll, they'll give you, you know, the feedback and where they think they stand and different things like that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it just kind of depends, you know, because sometimes the parents have a pretty good idea. Maybe they've gotten into a recruiting service or whatever the case may be. Other times the parents maybe don't have any idea and that's where you've got to come along and, and help them out. But I, I kind of would play it by ear mm -hmm. and kind of check in with the kid, you know, what do you need me to do here? Are they involved in AAU? Um, do the parents have a good idea of what's going on, you know, and then would, would be as involved as they needed me to be and would be as uninvolved as they needed me to be. It just kind of depended upon the situation. Yeah, and, and every family is going to be different. You are correct with that, Tony. I mean, you nailed that one. I, I wrote down three big things uh, that your role should be if you are involved in the recruiting process. Uh, number one, you need to plug your kid but you need to be honest uh, with the college coach. If, if, you're, if you've got a, a D3 kid that you're trying to plug to a low-level D1 and you know that, but that, you know, my, my dream school, I'd really like to play D1. Well, you, that's not where you really fit. Uh, you know, you're going to lose credibility so that when you do have that kid that fits that program or that school, 
uh, you know, the, the, those coaches, they're, they're going to remember that stuff. They're going to remember that. So I, I think you have to be honest. Uh, we had talked about this a little bit earlier. I, I think you have to be sure that your player wants to play. That, that they and, and, and I underlined wants to play. Uh, we, we talked about the expectation. Uh, it's it's going to be a job. And here's kind of, this is the way that it is. And, and I don't think you try to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You, you, you don't uh, you, you don't make it look any easier than what it really is. You, you have to give your kids the, the God's honest truth that, uh, you know, this is going to be really, really hard. And Again, most of our kids are going to be Division three, Division, you know, NAI type of, of, of kids that are going to go to schools. You know, you go to an NAI school, most of those schools have a JV program. You think, well, I'm just going in to play varsity. Well, no, there's JV too. So there's there's 25 kids in a lot of these programs. And, and so you're battling it out for, for seven or eight spots in the varsity rotation with 25 other players. It's highly, highly competitive. Uh, so I think that's another thing that you have to be sure. And then I think, and you kind of alluded to this, Tony, you got to be honest with the kids and the parents about the, the level that they're able to play. You know, uh, you know, Billy, I, I know you would love to play at the, the University of Northern Iowa, but I'm going to be honest with you, you're, you're, you're you know, you got a great opportunity to have a great career at Wartburg and it's a really good school and there's nothing it's 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 great level of competition uh, but if you if you try to walk on at northern iowa it, you're you're probably never going to see the floor and i and i think those are tough conversations but they're honest conversations that you need to have with your with your parents and your players so that they know that you know this is this is kind of where you probably fit in and and if if they still choose to go to northern iowa to walk on let's say uh, then it's on them. Then it's on them, and 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 you're and you're not, you know, you know, you're not selling them a hill of beans here. You're 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 giving them a, a, an accurate portrayal or, uh, of where you see them at. So, um, what do you think of that list, Tony? I think honesty is is huge, uh, both for the player and for the coaches that you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, you don't want to. Uh, sacrifice your own reputation, your own integrity by trying to, to uh, sell a coach a, a line, if you will. Yeah. All right. Some, some beachfront property in Iowa. Yeah. So you got to be honest. And then you have to let the player know it's probably one of the hardest things you've ever done mm-hmm. and just kind of give them, you know, a, a, a rational, uh, real life, if you will, evaluation of where things are at. And then the other thing, I think that you, was was important there as well as you go through there besides the whole honesty and this is what it's about as well um, is just making sure that as you go through that stuff with them that you are uh, as active and, and as as involved with it as what, what they need you to be mm-hmm. and so I think those those are good good words of advice as well. I do have some beachfront property to sell you Tony. Thank you. In, in Iowa. Okaboji. <laughs> Okaboji. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's there's beachfront property there. There is, but yeah. not you know, I probably just said oceanfront. Beach oh. was beach was yeah, okay. I just needed right. to go ocean. Yeah, that's okay. All right, all right. Uh Billy Smith comes up to you when when you were a varsity coach, Tony, and you say, Coach Viss, uh, I, I really I, I don't I I don't really play AAU, but I I feel like I'm a good player and I would like to get recruited. Uh you know, 
what do I need to do? How can you help me out, Coach? I I, I want to go. I want to play college ball. Uh, what what you, what you what are some things that you can do for your players? Yeah, I think one of the things that you're involved with a little bit is you know huddle. You know, and there's there's a few other uh, programs out there besides huddle, but you you encourage them to send film and not just their highlights because I think nope. that's a lot of time that players are, oh, I'm just going to send, you know, a seven minute highlight thing. No, they want to see when you struggle too. And how do you handle that? Can you play your way out of it? So on and so forth. Um, but I think huddle is a good one. Uh, you know, if you have some connections, you, you make some contact with those coaches that you have connections with and you kind of share some things and you help share schedules, you know, uh, whether it's your high school schedule, your, their AAU schedule, uh, whatever the case may be, but you try, you know, invite them into open gyms and stuff like that. But yeah, there's a variety of things that you can do to help a kid out and hopefully find the right fit for them. Cause that's really what it's about is about finding the right fit with a coach that believes in them. Yeah. When, when we, uh, and this is lessons learned over the years, but uh, when we were coaching college when i was coaching college ball if we got a highlight film um we kind of learned to cast cast those off to the side uh we we didn't want to see the highlight film like i said we wanted to see the game film and and i think again it's important it's tempting to go hey you remember that one you know uh billy averages 11 points a game for us but we're gonna send him this game where he went off for 27 and and he looked like the next harrison barnes or something like that um don't do that either just, just send a, a good, solid game. Doesn't have to be a clunker. Doesn't have to be their all-state audition. But just hey, you know, the average eleven. Send them a game where they had fifteen and 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 six and four or whatever it may be. And just, you know, this is what they typically do on a night in, night out basis. I, I think that's an important thing. Um, yeah, I kind of went through this with one of my seniors to be, and we just sat down and we just kind of outlined some things. All right, big school, small school. Uh, close to home, how far away from home do you want to be? I think that's an important question that you ask your kids. Uh, you know, again, what are you going to be majoring in? I've got a pretty good idea of your GPA. Um, and again, I'm in a smaller school, so uh, this player I, I, I had in class last year. Um, and, you know, what kind of style are you looking for? Um, okay, what's, you know, what's the environment, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I think you sit down and you have those conversations with your with your players, and you say, "Okay, um, well, then have you thought about here, 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 and here? Okay, let's let's reach out to these four, and and what do you want me to say? I think it's important. Um, one of the first things that they're going to ask you, Tony, is and you know this just as well as I do. They're going to ask for the kids' contact. I think you get permission beforehand from your player, especially like for me in a situation where I'm a male coaching females." Uh, is it okay for me to give your phone number to coaches if they ask for it? Uh, you know, I, that's a that's a really simple question uh, that you can ask, and and ninety nine percent of the time they're going to say yes. But uh, you want to be able to uh, if you, if something does you know something awkward does happen, uh, you want to be able to say, well, hey, you you said it was okay for me to give you the, this this number to this coach here, so. Um, you know, so I think those type of conversations are really important, Tony. Um, I, I feel like I'm missing something and I'll remember it as soon as we're done. Uh, but I, I think those type of things, asking them, I, I think a big one is asking them how far they want to go away from home. 
and, and every kid's going to be different. Some kids are going to be really good. Hey, I just want to find the best fit for me basketball-wise. And if that means I've got to be 2,000 miles away, that's what I want to do. Or, hey, I want to stay within 60 miles of home. That's what I want to do. Um, you know, all of those things I think are really important. Yeah, I think in terms of the distance they want to travel, I think that's, that's big. Um, what do they want to major in? Because that, that can shut a lot of things down pretty quickly. Um, and then the other thing that I thought that you mentioned that was really important as well along those same lines is style of play. Yeah. Because if, you know, they, you play an up-tempo, shoot a lot of three, um, you know, it's the type of play and they're looking at a school that goes two bigs and high-low game and stuff like that. It's just it's not a good fit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin? and all the resources it offers, go to appendantandnapkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our Appendant and Napkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every Appendant and Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of Appendant and Napkin. Appendantandnapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. You know what is never not a good fit, though, Tony? Europe's good no matter what. It's always good to be Europe. It's just it's just a fact. It's just a fact, Tony. So I believe it's my turn for trivia this week, correct? I believe so, too. All right. So here's a trivia question, Tony. This uh, Friday night was the start of the annual NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. It has become an, a tradition. It's, it's become a televised event. It's... It's very, very popular. I've actually talked about, uh, you know, I, I would love to for me and my boys to fly out to Vegas for a long weekend and just plop down 20 bucks to go watch NBA prospects play all weekend. So uh, trivia question for you, Mr. Viss. In what summer did the NBA Summer League begin in Las Vegas? Oh, boy. Hmm. Let's go. 1993. You are incorrect. Way too early. Earlier? You're oh, way, way too early. You're way too early. Huh. Let's go. 1979. You were way too early. Oh, my bad. I was... I, Heard to the wrong thing. Uh, let's go nine. Let's let's go two thousand three. Two thousand three is incorrect. Am I still too early? You are still too early. Man, not way too early anymore, though. Correct. Let's go two thousand and eight. That is incorrect. You were off. Was it 2010? You were off by one. 2004. Ooh. 
2004. So you brought that 2003 out like, oh, just off by yeah. one. Yeah, 2004 was the first uh, summer league in Las Vegas. I think they said they started with six teams. Is, is and, and now every team, now of it's, course. it's big. Yeah, it's a huge deal. So, um, so yeah. So uh, that was this week's trivia question. And now... It is time for this week in basketball, and I've got uh, I've got four or five things written down here, Tony. Stuff that's happened in the last week. Um, you want to talk about little uh, Wimbenyama? Yeah, let's talk Vic. Yeah, how, how what'd you think of Vic's debut? I don't think it was all that surprising. I mean, you know, he's he's coming off a season where he's played a season, so I'm sure mm-hmm. he's on some fumes. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a more physical game, mm-hmm. and he is a stat sheet filler. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he he's going to score it, he's going to rebound it, he's going to have some assists, he's going to have some blocks. And so, I mean, it really wasn't all that surprising. I mean, you, you look at his type of game, you know, Bull Bull yeah. is kind of a similar comparison Maybe Porzingis, yeah. Um, but but there's some guys you know that that are similar to that type of game. Um, you know, it's just it's it's going to take him some time. I mean, he's he's young. He's going to have to get stronger. And the other thing too, you know, the guys around him in summer league are not going to be the same guys that are around him in the regular season. Once Correct. I think yeah. you get better talent around him. I think that'll that'll highlight his game even more. Yeah. Somebody brought up a good point, and I didn't really think about this until they brought it up. I was listening to another podcast, forget who it was. The dude's been on a whirlwind for about two and a half weeks. I mean, mm-hmm. throwing out first pitches, this appearance here, this there, boom, boom, boom. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're supposed to play basketball now. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm guessing, you know, he just – wiped out <laughs> like he he needs a break and like you say he just finished his his french season not that long ago and uh, you know I, I i just think you know i'm sure he had to be absolutely nervous i mean you've got sold out arena uh kareem sitting courtside amongst others uh, i'm sure he was nervous as all get out and uh, i i think he's gonna I don't, I don't know if he's gonna play tonight have you seen that? In, uh, I believe he is playing tonight. He is playing tonight. So yeah, because I think they're playing uh, Portland, if I remember right. But Scoot's not playing. And in all honesty, the guy who's probably going to win Rookie of the Year is going to be Scoot mm-hmm. because Scoot has played in a pro-style system with overtime elite, mm-hmm. and he's just physically he's mature. And so I, you know, if I was putting money on who's going to win the Rookie of the Year, Scoot would be my guy. Yeah, I know some have talked Chet Holmgren. But Chet's kind of a a Victor type guy as well. I mean, I know he's gained, I want to say eight pounds of muscle is what they've been saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's there probably still needs to be another ten or more. Yeah, uh, Wimby is playing tonight. He's bounced back, Tony. Uh, he's got uh, he just hit a three, uh, twenty seven and eleven with three blocks. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good stat line. Pretty not bad. Um, yeah, I think he's gonna be okay. I have I have been a Wimby believer since I saw him play against uh, Scoot Henderson back in whenever that was October or November. Uh, I I was just watching like, oh my goodness gracious sakes alive! Um, 
that was, and, and I don't mean to offend anybody by saying goodness gracious sakes alive, because I got a technical foul saying goodness gracious sakes alive at our team camp. So <laughs> first technical foul I've gotten in 14 years. <laughs> I said, that's what I said. Goodness gracious sakes alive. Uh, my, oh my, players, my players are making fun of me pretty hard. So. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's good. I've, I've been a believer. I've, I've bought all the, as Bill Simmons would say, I bought all the Wimby sock stock after that. Um, I think he's going to be okay. Holmgren. I've been in, I, I like what I've seen from him. I think Oklahoma city is going to be really, really good here in a, in about two years, Tony. Yes. They are going to be really, really good. You know, there, there's been some teams, you know, Oklahoma city, is probably where um, teams like Houston and Detroit are going to be in a couple years. Yeah. Uh, but I watched the Houston and, and Detroit game today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was bored this afternoon. Flip that on. Those guys have some good young talent too. The yeah. NBA is about three to five years from kind of flipping on its head, if you will. Some of these teams that have been in the lottery for a while have been, you know, uh, harvesting some good young talent in yeah. Oklahoma city is I, I have a feeling Oklahoma city in a couple of years is going to be a Western conference power. Yeah. And I think Holmgren is going to be right in the middle of that, you know, uh, Jalen Williams is really good too. Yeah. Shay SGA uh, had a yeah. great year last year. The guy I really love watching Giddy. play Giddy. Oh man. He is fun to watch. He is. And, and mm-hmm. I know he's not a great shooter yet. I think he will eventually be a, a really good shooter, but, uh, uh, they're going to be really, really good. Uh, Chet's going to bring them an, another dimension of of length. Of at the very least, he's going to spread the floor, and he's going to block some shots and be a defensive presence off the weak side. And and he's he's gonna he's gonna give them a, another level of stuff. Where I last year I think they won one play in game. I can't remember for sure. I know they were in the play in. Mm-hmm. Um, they they very well could compete for one of those top six spots. Yeah, depending I would say on, five, six, somewhere de- in there. You know, because you never know what's going to happen with the Clippers and their health. Uh, you never know what's going to happen with, uh, you know, if Steph Curry gets gets hurt. Um, significant time. Yes, I mean they're done. You know, LeBron and AD. You know, LeBron is really really old. Uh, Phoenix is so top heavy that if Durant's out for an extended period of time, um, you know they did a pretty good job though of being able to piece around those four. I'm still not sold that they're going to keep eight. You know, I, I think that's why Monty Williams got fired, and so maybe they're going to give uh, Vogel an opportunity to work with him before they make that decision. But mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure that Aiton's going to be there all year. Okay. Well, you you heard it here first on a pen and a napkin, the coaching staff episode number 47. So, um, speaking of Wimbanyama, do you see pop got a, decided to sign on for a couple more years? Five more years. Yeah. 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 Um, not, not a bad gig, you know, in, in your mid seventies, uh, coaching the, the, the best prospects since Kareem or LeBron and, and you're getting about 16 million bucks a year to do it. So obviously very well earned pop is, is, uh, is, one of the best coaches that we've ever seen in the game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that those ping-pong balls falling a certain way kind of helped with that, I think. Yeah, I think Pop, in all honesty, one of the top two or three coaches of all time. Yep. Um, and if you take a look at 
the way that he's impacted the game. Uh, you know, he, he cares about his players more than just his players. Um, the way he treats his assistant coaches, his coaching tree, mm-hmm. uh, you know, load management became something that became associated with him, good or bad, whatever your feelings are on that. But he truly has been a transformational coach. Yeah. I thought he brought up, I saw this quote, Tony, I don't know if you saw it or not. Uh, he said they were asking about last year when they finished like 22 and 60 or whatever their record was. They were really bad, obviously, because they won the lottery. And he said it was actually uh, one of my most enjoyable years because we weren't going to be on national television. We didn't have all this. It was just about developing our, developing our players. And they came in every day. They worked their tails off and they brought in a positive energy it was actually a really easy group of professional basketball players to coach and i thought that was a really telling uh quote from him that you know if pop can handle that type of situation then we've got to be able to handle those situations now again he's got job security that almost nobody else has there's there maybe spolstra is the only other one that has that type of job security uh, but but I just thought it was an interesting uh, interesting statement, interesting perspective that he had that that he called it one of his you know here's a guy who's won five NBA championships, and he said it was it was a really enjoyable year. So I, I thought that was interesting about him. Yeah, I think you know Pop sees big picture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting they've gotten rid of some guys. Obviously, uh, Derek White going to the Celtics, uh, Murray going to the Hawks, and things like that. And he knew it was going to be a year where they were going to be rebuilding. But if you take a look, they've they've developed some good young players. Like when when Victor goes in there, um, he's not going to be surrounded by guys that, that can't play. I, I think that'll be a you know something that'll have to be kept in mind. And I know, uh, obviously, when you take a look at Lillard, uh, Lillard had mentioned San Antonio, just respecting the you know them and what they do. I don't think he's going to end up in San Antonio, but that says a lot, a team that won the lottery that Lillard was speaking highly of. But if you could add Lillard to what they have there with Victor and some of those young guys, um, they, they, they could be a playoff team potentially, but Damian's not going to go there. They're yeah. going to get another lottery piece next year, and they're just going to keep developing and try to play catch up with OKC because OKC uh, in a few years, man, they're going to be tough. But, but I think with Victor, I could see the Spurs winning a title in the next five to seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Um... Yeah, that's interesting. You know, Lillard, you know, uh, the Spurs are great, but I only want to go to Miami and nobody, uh, uh, he's officially kind of set out uh, uh, through back channels. Don't try to trade for me unless you're Miami because that's the only place I really want to go 
is apparently mm-hmm. what's going on. So, and I, th- I think he's going to get there. The thing that 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 uh, Portland screwed up on was bashing Hero. You might not like Hero, mm-hmm. but you can't bash him because you would have been able to move him. Now, now people know that you don't like him, mm-hmm. and they're not going to give you the trade package they would have. Like I think the Sixers have been pretty good. I don't think they're going to trade Tyrese Maxey, but yeah. you can tell they really value him. And it would take a very, very sweet offer to get Tyrese Maxey. Well, on the other hand, if I know that Portland doesn't like Tyler Hero, I'm not going to give you the trade package I would have. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. And, and you just gotta, gotta be smart. Um, I, I think you're right, Tony. I think it's going to play out. I think Dame will end up in Miami. Uh, is, you know, one, it's, one it's, thing to keep an eye on there, Marty. Not sorry to interrupt you, no, it's okay. but. When Jaime Jaquez can be traded, which is days. probably yep. a little under four weeks away, I, I think that is a part of it. I think Jaime Jaquez and whatever package were to go to Portland, I think Jaime Jaquez has to be a part of that. Yeah. Yep. I, I think uh, I, I saw him play a little bit the other night. I like him. He, I, he was mm-hmm. one of the guys I called before the draft. Uh, you know, I, I like this guy, just tough, uh, hard-nosed player, just, does, just plays the game the right way. And so I, I, I really like him. I, and I think he's going to be part of that deal as well. So, you know, I just, I look at a guy like him and he's ready to play in the NBA right now. A lot of these other guys are based on potential. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand that. I get that. I just really sit back and scratch my head a little bit. Like, you know, I thought there were several really good centers. And I think I've said this before, you know, I was shocked Oscar didn't get a chance. He wasn't drafted. You know, in terms of the, he'll get a chance as a, as a free agent. Don't get me wrong. But I was surprised he wasn't drafted. Surprised yeah. that uh, Holmgren, Drew Timmy, yeah, from uh, oh, yeah, Gonzaga I'm sorry, yeah, Timmy, sorry. And then uh, shoot, I'm missing one other guy. Oh, the Sonogo from UConn. Yeah, he's the most outstanding player of the Final Four. But yeah, I, I just don't get that stuff. But that's. At the same time, while while I coach sophomore boys basketball, not an NBA GM. <laughs> yeah, I uh, sorry about that. I accidentally hit a button here. Um, Timmy, Timmy, uh, I got my Gonzaga guys mixed up there between him and Holmgren. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think he's gonna end up. He's just too good. He, he can score it so many different ways. I, I think he's just gonna find a way to find himself on a roster at the very least. I think Timmy's going to find himself there. That's, that's just, I could see him on a roster for six, seven, eight years, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you see the new NBA in season tourney format, Tony? Yeah. You know, that'll be, that'll be kind of interesting. I don't know if I'm a big fan of it yet or not, but at the same time, uh, I don't want to go in with any negativity towards it. it if it's something that, that improves the attention of the regular season, because you and I both know, you know, watching a game month or two in, yeah, they're they're not completely focused. They're they're waiting as playoff seating and positioning and all that stuff gets in play. Yeah, I think it. I I think if it's given a chance, I think it's got a chance to uh, catch on. I, I think it's just like with anything, you've got uh, you got to let it develop, you know. And they're going to have to work out some kinks in the first few years. But uh, you and I are are European football 
knowledgeable at the very least. And we know like in, in England, the FA Cup is a, still a huge deal. And, you know, it'll, it'll bring about some, uh, some opportunities like, uh, let's say a Drew Timmy. You know, we just brought him up. Uh, if he's the 12th guy on the Bucks, uh, that's who he's playing with in the Summer League. And, uh, you know, he, he may get some run during one of those during one of those games while they're resting Giannis or something like that. Uh, I, I, I think it's just, I think it's going to be interesting. I, you know, let's give it a shot. Let's see what it looks like. It, if it stinks, you don't do it anymore. But I, I, yep. I think they're gonna, I think they're going to find try. a way to make it work. I, I think they will. So uh, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see yeah, it. It'll so. be interesting to see how that goes. Hopefully, like I said, it can generate a little bit more buzz in the regular season. Yep. Um, Last thing I had, what was your what's your feelings on Grant Williams going to the Mavericks? You know, I think Boston is still thinking about making some moves. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing too with Boston is, you know, you've got Porzingis, you've got uh, Tatum. Uh, if, depending upon what you do with Jalen Brown, um, they've got some hefty salaries, and yep. if they were going to keep Grant it wasn't going to be on the cheap. And so they needed to kind of replenish some of their draft. And on top of that, um, you know, if, if they want to, if they want to make some more moves, I think that they, they had to, had to get rid of that salary as well. Yeah. I think he's a good fit in Dallas. I actually like him. Um, He can spot up, he can shoot. He will actually defend which Luca and Kyrie struggle with. Um, They're, that, you know, their their effort on the defensive end is not always great, um, you know. So I, I I think it's I think he's going to be a nice piece for the Mavericks, um, and and I think you're right, Tony. I think for the Celtics, I think it was just uh, there's 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 only so much money to go around here, and we just don't have. It's not. I don't think it was a situation where they wanted to get rid of him, but they just. They just had no room. They just had no room, especially with Porzingis coming in, and you know, it's, sometimes it just comes down to math and, and what people can afford. And I think that's that's what a lot of it came down to. Yeah, and you know, and I, I like what they're kind of doing in Dallas. That Hardy kid, I watched him yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he's a steal at where they got him in the draft the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got the lively kid from Duke. Yeah. Uh, which is going to, to benefit their rim protection. Um, and I think that's a part of why you're going to see Christian Wood, uh, who's a who's a free agent. Uh, he will not be signed back by Dallas. Uh, they obviously, with Kyrie and Luka, eaten up a good chunk of their salary. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but I like some of the things that Dallas is doing, and that could be a team. Um, I don't see them in the top five or six, but that could be a team uh, that's looking at a play-in or might sneak into this, you know, might sneak in there, uh, you know, as far as things go. But yeah, I think I think Dallas has, has made some good moves. Yeah, seven versus eight, Oklahoma City versus Dallas. You heard it here first. My money's on OKC. Yeah, your money's but on OKC. Kyrie and Luca can score on anybody. Yeah, that is that is true, except for us. Well, it's, yeah, 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 on the nerf hoop. <laughs> on the nerf hoop, you're exactly right. So. Uh, anything else on anything we talked about here tonight, Tony? You know, I just think with the, like we were talking about with the whole thing on, on recruiting, you know, the honesty piece is the big one. You know, just make sure you're honest with the 
coach. You were honest with your player. Uh, but I just think that is a big piece of it. And then, you know, one of the things you have to do too is, you know, share that information early with your kids that have aspirations to play college. Like, hey, um, they're going to look at things like, your grade point they're going to look at things uh like how are you as a teammate how do you handle uh you know downtimes and things like that but i think those are items that you want to share with your kids early on so that they don't dig themselves a hole that makes it very challenging to come out of yeah well said my friend we'll we'll end on that episode number 47 uh recruiting what college coaches look for your role what you can do to help your kids get recruited a uh, lot of really good stuff here with Tony. Uh, by the time folks see this or hear this, it, it'll be Friday. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens with uh, Wimbenyama and others at the, the Las Vegas Pro League and all that other stuff. So it should be good. So uh, hope folks enjoyed this episode. A lot of good stuff that we shared here. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hold our craft one day at a time.